Welcome to Rich in Relationship, and I'm Rich Heller, and Susie Raish is back. And if you hadn't heard the previous podcast forward slash video blog we did together, she is the founder of The Tangled Ball, and she's the author of Superheroes Wear Mom Jeans. She is an anti-bullying advocate, and she is a fan of trusted adults. And actually, today, we're going to talk all about the importance of trusted adults in the in the life of children. <laughs> so great to see you again. How are you? Great, Rich. How are you doing? It's great to be back. I'm fantastic. It's it's. I'm pretending this is Friday. <laughs> <laughs> good, good plan. Yeah. So, Susie, um, last episode we talked all about bullying, and we talked about how to support kids, whether they're victims or whether they're bullies, because a lot of the same, how do I put this? The two states are driven by similar emotional backgrounds, oddly, right? It's kind of interesting. You know, often we think of bullies as being these evil aggressors and victims as being these terrible, innocent people who are suffering at the hands of these aggressors, but both, let's call them roles for now. And it's not that there aren't victim and it's not that there aren't bullies. It's not that there aren't people who are, are authentically in situations where nobody would want to be and, and they had no, they didn't deserve to be there. But that, uh, at least in this context, there's, an, there's a similar emotional backdrop for the two roles. And right. Um, today we're going to talk a, a little bit about that is and how parents can really be superheroes. Yes, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. And, you know, I think um, you're right about the, the role of the bully. And I actually like to say the role of the target because victim can be victim is a super loaded thing. word. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, especially kids, they can play those roles like interchangeable. Uh, you know, they could be being the, the child who's acting out and being mean. They could also end up being a target. And both are very important to pay attention to because, you know, they both have to be um, helped, redirected, um, you know, just make sure that we pay attention to both roles because neither are healthy, you know, if they continue them. Yeah, there's crazy statistics on this, which I'm not going to bore people with today. But there, you know, there's a big segment of kids who do play both roles, and there's an argument that many bullies learn to be bullies by first being, to use your language, targets. Though I'm not sure that's complete. I'm not sure that's true. It's a theory. Hey, so before we go any further, let me ask you the question I ask everybody at the beginning of the show: How did your heart lead you to do this work? Well, I, um, in my former life, I was a publicist. Uh, my main clients were in television and publishing. And I was a consultant at ABC News when that horrible, horrific school shooting happened in, at Columbine. Um, at the time, and I had teenage children, um, at the time when I asked particularly kids what they thought happened, they, they all said they must have been bullied. Well, uh, I was shocked at this, um, of course, and I want to be clear, uh, years later, it, it was determined that it was not um, based in bullying, it was a mental health issue. But the fact that kids assumed it was, 
I thought was a very big deal. Um, and it took me 10 years uh, to move out of my publicist role and to really immerse myself into this issue. But um, it is an issue that just continues to uh, interest me. And uh, it is really uh, very, um, it's, it's very important to our children's mental health that we pay attention. Can I be just a little nosy for a second? Sure. You know, cause like I'm, I'm trained therapist, trained coach and all that good stuff. And I, I'm curious about something, you know, a lot of people heard the same things that you did and they weren't motivated to go make a difference in bullying. What do you think it is about Susie Raish? Like, what did it bring up in you personally that made this like a life mission? You know, I do not like the feeling that kids feel alone. Mm. I don't like the feeling that parents or adults feel alone. And this is a big factor. It's very isolating, a very isolating issue. Um, and I felt that I just felt really compelled that there would be a corner of this world that I could address. You know, as a publicist, I thought, you know, what can I do? And I felt, you know what? The least I could do is to research really good information and, and share it. And I would have felt terrible if I didn't take some sort of action. Um, before the show started, you shared with me that you have some children in your life. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what kind of experiences did you have with your children and bullying? Uh, well, I have four kids and uh, I didn't, I don't feel That's that I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel that they experienced a big um, issue with bullying, but also I didn't really learn about this issue until they were almost grown. So I think looking back, they might have, um, and you know, perhaps I could have you know, been more effective in, in helping them. Uh, but you know, I was very lucky. They didn't seem to you know, have this as part of their life, <clears throat> excuse me, as part of their daily life. Yeah, uh, you know, and there's mad statistics that bullying occurs on a much higher level than is reported. Uh, there, there's a huge number of children who don't report bullying. I don't know how you get that statistic. I mean, do you go up and say, have you been bullied and you don't want to report it? Because why would you, why would you answer that question? But I don't, I don't do this. I don't do the questions. I just spout back the statistics. Uh, and I do think that, right. uh, I do think that when you look at our culture. Uh, we live in a nation that since, basically since World War I, has really embraced a military mindset. The idea that uh, we have authority and power and, and because we have power and authority, we have the right to step in and make a difference of some kind in other countries and other people's lives. And some of those countries, you know, may even perceive that as bullying at times. There, there actually is an, a theory that the whole, that terrorism is a reaction to, uh, to things that, that this country has done in other countries in the past. So, you know, we have in our, in our nation, uh, we're very militarized. We, we have uh, large, police force, we've got a prison system, 
we have a lot of power in inequalities. For a nation that's based on democracy, we have a lot of power inequalities. And as you told me in the last interview, bullying is very much grounded in power inequality and what people do when they have greater power over another. So it's, I guess it's not that surprising. That was a long-winded way of saying. I don't think it's that surprising that in the United States, I can't speak for other countries, bullying is in the air. It's in the water. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. You know, it's, it's based on intention, repetition, and an imbalance of power. Mm -hmm. And you see a balance of power everywhere. Yeah. Yes. All right. So today we're going to talk about the value and really how vitally important trusted adults are in the lives of children. Uh, and actually for our listeners, we've had, this has come up before, uh, we talked about you know, children in the school systems who are LGBTQT and, and feel unsupported and how important it is for them to have allies. So this is a really important, for children in general, not just for smaller groups, this is a really important topic. So what does it mean to have a trusted adult and what is the impact of having one in your life? Well, as you know, you know, my uh, website is called Tangled Ball and I have this imagery of all these strings and they're messy and they're complicated. And so when I started doing my research about 10 years ago, I, um, I started to think, well, you know, there's so many different experts um, saying, you know, very, uh, very good, but very different things at some points. But what was the common string? What was the common string that they all had? And that common string was all these experts, no matter what issue a child was facing, they would say, tell a trusted adult. And I really started to think about that because they're not saying just tell an adult. They're not just saying, tell a well-meaning adult. Mm -hmm. What do they mean by, by trusted? And I feel like trust really takes some skills. And you know, I think that there is a gap in that information with any adult that um, helps take care of children. So there are, are you know, basic skills, like of course, caring, um, availability, uh, learning how, knowing how to communicate. The mm -hmm. big one is knowing how to listen. Um, so the goal of the trusted adult is to be good enough at this job that kids keep returning to them. That, you know, as they grow and they face different issues and, you know, different things they need some support on, that they, you build a foundation that they will keep coming back. And what, who qualifies as a trusted adult? Well, we can all be a trusted adult. We can all be what I call that superhero. You know, it just takes some, <laughs> right. I love a good superhero. A superhero, uh, you know, because it does again, you know, take first of all awareness, um, but basic skills that everybody, if they're aware of them, you know, they can they can build on them. So, you know, one of them is if a child comes to you that we don't underreact, like just ignore them, you know, if if it's a bullying situation, or overreact and say I'm going to go to that school or I'm going to call that parent and. Because again, this is about an imbalance of power that makes a child feel powerless. Mm -hmm. So to be that adult that you can go to that actually helps you get your power back. Yeah, and can we, can we explore that a little? Sure. All right, cool. I, mean, I keep thinking about in the last call, the last interview we, that we did, 
we uh, we tapped on the the Karpman triangle, which for those of you who don't know what that is, there's a theory. It's a theory that there's a dynamic that goes on between the target, as you put it, the bully, and what's called the rescuer. And so uh, what, the rescuer actually has an investment in that relationship going on because they want to look like what you, was the word superhero that made me think of it. I I have been that superhero. You know, uh, and it feels really good, but the problem is it doesn't actually solve the problem. Uh, it, the problem is it doesn't solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And then there's another model uh, that is out there where you make this shift from target bully rescuer to creator, challenger, and coach. So the the target becomes the creator of their own experience. The bully becomes a challenger, not a bully. And the, uh, the third party becomes a coach. So how, how does that, do, do these concepts fit with the idea of trusted adult is what I'm asking you. Well, you just put it perfectly. I mean, I think that's the perfect mix um, for a trusted adult because in the end you're coaching. Um, another really important goal is that the child builds resilience. Mm. And I think what you just described is this great formula to help a child um, build resilience. And I think building resilience is first that connection, making mm -hmm. a true authentic connection. Uh, then it is building trust, knowing you know this child knows they can keep coming back to you that that builds their confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the foundation of helping them with resilience. So you're not doing it for them, you know, just like the example I just gave of an parent saying, I'm just gonna run up to the school and take care of this. Yeah, you, you don't worry about a thing. Like you don't right. feel empowered in any way. <laughs> Cause I got exactly. this. And, you know, it's really important to remember and this was, you know, a simple but a big light bulb moment for me. We don't really know what that child's life is like in school. Mm -hmm. We assume we did because we went to school, but right. we do not know what that child's life is in school. Just like a child can be part of a family, but they're not part of the marriage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, you know, there's some common ground that we can communicate with, but we really the reason for listening is because we don't really know and to let them talk it out completely and to feel very safe that they're not going to be judged, whether they're the child that is exhibiting the mean behavior or the child that is the target. I'm sure that there are a lot of parents right now who are listening to this, who are wondering whether they're rescuers or coaches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the answer is probably that we show up, we, we all show up all different ways, right? Because we're human beings, like we don't do anything perfectly. Um, how, what recommendations would you give to parents so that they, and actually, let me just back up a second. Really, we're all, we're all aspiring to something better, hopefully, right? We're all aspiring to improve and grow. So what recommendations would you make to parents who feel like maybe they've been a little rescuey and they want to be more coachy? Uh, well, again, I think I'm just going to go back one step. You brought up a really good point earlier that most kids don't tell. Mm. That is really the... Actually, you, you touched on a statistic that is the most important to me, because that is a statistic that we can actually improve upon if we're just aware. 
So number one, even before deciding whether you're a rescuer or a coach, is the child coming and sharing? Mm -hmm. um, and there, I think the statistic is over 64%. Of it is remarkably high. Yes, remarkably high. So that is really, really important to address first. And, uh, you know, even before the true listening starts, sometimes kids don't talk. They're just not that type of person, you know, that shares. Um, sometimes we have to, uh, you know, we have to start just listening to their body language mm -hmm. and, and bringing up questions. Um, and then once they start, do start talking, the point isn't to solve their problem. Um, the point is, so I guess maybe doing a gut check and, you know, oh. kids know when you're fully listening or whether you're just, you know, can't that. wait to put your two cents in. So I think there is um, the power of the pause. I'm sorry, you said a, a what check? A gut check. A gut check, got it. Mm -hmm. uh, um, on, you know, whether our, you know, whether they're leaning towards, you know, putting in their two cents right away, um, or they're just giving themselves a moment and saying, let this child talk about the whole thing, ask them their opinion, ask them, you know, a follow-up question. Kids are really smart. Yes. And as I mentioned before, they're much smarter about their own environment than we are. So it's very difficult to rescue a child when we don't know the whole scenario. Um, so I think that would be my highest recommendation. So let me put in my two bits about uh, caring communication because it's uh, so much of what you talk about, trust and communication, and then there's empathy, uh, which is kind of implied. This is like, these are the basis for intimacy in marriage also. And it's uh, the work that I do with couples is a lot about, uh, let me back up. A lot of couples come to me because they feel like they're leading parallel lives and they've lost touch with each other. And by the way, that's normal. Like every, every couple I know has experienced that on some level because we, you know, you've got the kids, you're overwhelmed, you're both working, you're trying to figure out how to keep all the balls in the air, you're leaning into your individual strengths like good team players. But what happens is you start to forget about communication. And that happens with children, their children also, or maybe your children also. It certainly happened with my children. I remember there was a time when um, I remember one of my children saying, hey, I wrote this thing, read it, please. And I, I was like, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. And I don't think I ever got to it because I was so busy, right? And the problem is that life is super busy. It's not that we're bad people for being busy. Life is super busy. But, and so making it a priority to have caring communication first with your partner and then with your kids is super important. Like when that, when that communication line breaks down with your children, it takes a lot of work to reestablish it. So I'll throw a couple of quick tools and then I'm, I swear I'm gonna come back to you, Susie. <laughs> a couple of quick tools would be, uh, the big one is family dinner night. Um, if you can have family dinner on a regular basis, that's a place where while people are eating, people will communicate. Kids will not, it's not like the first dinner they're going to say, oh, and by the way, I'm being bullied at school. Or by the way, I'm beating up these kids for their lunch money. You know, but it's more like uh, after, after they find out that it's regular and real and that it's safe, they will start talking in that environment. And, and, if, and if you've had a breakdown in communication, personal experience and working with clients, it's, it can be challenging to reestablish communication because the kids want to know this is going to be real and it's going to be consistent. 
right? So if you go in there, all right, I'm going to go in and I heard Susie and Rich and I'm going to go in and I'm going to communicate with my kids. They'll, they may not say anything at first because they're, they might know, wonder where you're coming from. What's, are they in trouble? What's going on? But when it becomes consistent and feels safe, that's when you're going to start hearing about this stuff. That sound right to you, Susie? 100%. And I also noticed some, someone else gave me this, um, this trick, but that uh, especially preteens and teens, they don't like the direct question. Oh. You know, they don't like, we said, well, were you bullied today? Um, they're like, whoa, you know, back up. Uh, but if you say, oh, any drama at school, that's a completely different thing. And then it starts to unfold. Yeah, my wife's oh. trick with the teenagers was she'd get them in the car. Right? Yes. So she, yeah, they'd be favorite. driving somewhere together and they wouldn't be looking at each other and maybe they'd be a little distracted and they'd relax. Oh my gosh, that is my very favorite tip. And luckily when I was raising my kids, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't the cell phone that they were looking on or, you know, there weren't um, movies playing on a screen in the back. Um, there was, it was screenless. And I... 100%. If they're looking forward and they don't have to look awkwardly at you, so many more things come out. Um, the other thing that we forget about is um, having fun. You know, what? finding things, having fun, really. <laughs> um, taking breaks and doing fun things because that's sort of the, the car theory. Um, when you're doing something and, you know, it's a good memory, you know, it starts to build up that communication. We don't have to just communicate, I don't think, about, you know, all the tough issues, you know, it could be on the, the more enjoyable things too. So I understand that you have a book that's all about this. Yes. Superheroes Wear Mom Jeans um, is the Tangle Ball Guide uh, on Anti-Bullying for Parents of Young Children. And it's basically a culmination of a lot of the, um, you know, the, the experts and the research and the comments I got from parents and teachers, you know, to give parents a little uh, support as far as, uh, you know, resources. And, uh, you know, I tell some personal stories, you know, I, I didn't get mother of the year all the time. So wow. learning from my mistakes, right? And then if, you know, if, if, People want to use it in groups. I have you know, a list of questions after, instead of calling them chapters, I call them strings. But I think that uh, you, know, you could think of Tangle Ball as you know, something that is impossible, but really most Tangle Balls, if we take out one string at a time, mm -hmm. you know, we get to the core of actually helping our kids. Yeah, and then you get to rewind it all up again. Right, exactly. I remember I you have a untangling fishing line as a kid and everybody else would want to cut it out. And I'd be like, no, 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 we have to, we have to get every little piece of it out. Maybe that's <laughs> right. why I do the work that I do today. I love that image of the tangle ball. Oh, good. Yeah, right, there's hope can, in there. How can we find your book? Probably the usual. So you can find um, the book and uh, I also do presentations and uh, I offer some resources on tangledball.com. All my contact information is there. Uh, all links to my social media platforms. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and sorry, let, just let's summarize. So if you want to be, I can be a mom wearing jeans, right? <laughs> if I, if I want to be, if you want to be a, mm -hmm. an engaged parent, whether you are, or whether dad you're, sneakers. Whether you're a mom or a dad, if you want to be, if you want to find out what's going on with your kids, 
it sounds like the starting point is to have some communication, caring communication, simple communication, not in interrogation style communication, but more like just up the communication. And with that, hopefully, when it starts feeling safe, when we're not interrogating, poking, poking, pushing, prodding, commanding, all those things that we love, like that all parents do, by the way, when, mm -hmm. when, we, when we hold back on our natural urge to dig, um, some trust is going to be established. And as that trust is established, hopefully they're going to begin to open up and we're going to start to find out what's, go what's going on, what kind of relationships they're having, how they're feeling about themselves. Right. And we're helping them build resilience by giving them some skills, giving them communication skills. It's, you know, it's all a teachable moment. And, um, and I have to say, you know, another tip is to make sure we have our own trusted adults in our lives, because we learn the most from each other, I, you know, I think. And then additionally, if we're under stress, uh, if there's some reason where we're pretty aware that we were, we might not be being, being fully present is really to encourage our children to have other trusted adults as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I know out of my four kids, you know, I found out much later on that there were things that were happening in their lives that they didn't tell me, but they told a very close friend's mother. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to thank them to, you know, to this day, at first it hurts a little bit, but then you realize these are the skills you're trying to teach them. You're trying to teach them to connect, to reach out. Yeah, the broader your network, you or your children's network of support, mm -hmm. the more, to use the word you, you've been using, the more resilient they'll be. Studies on happiness and resilience show the more connected we are with other people, the stronger our ability to bounce back, the more supported we feel. Or if you are a single parent and maybe the parent on the other side is less than exemplary in some way, you know, finding people in your family or in, in your community who have the strengths that you would like your child to learn and connecting to, to your children with those people can be a way to start building those strengths in them and make up for, you know, let's say your spouse is an alcoholic. You know, let's say you're, or they have something going on in your, their life, some disease in their life that's just debilitating them emotionally. You know, you can still build strengths in your children through having all those diverse connections. Exactly. You're casting that wide net and that just helps, you know, make kids feel strong. Super cool. Uh, the question I'm going to ask you that I asked you last episode, you're probably going to have a new twist on it, is going to be what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Well, I believe the legacy I want to leave behind is that uh, to help children by helping trusted adults and mm. by actually supporting adults, because really no child should feel alone, but no adults, no parent, no teacher should feel alone either. I love that. I love that. And so if you are... If you are an adult and you feel really lost in this for some reason, please feel free to contact Susie. Or if you've got trouble at home and you feel like that's driving what's going on with your children, uh, reach out to me. I've got I'll give you a complimentary call and we'll figure out next steps for you. All right, we're going to wrap it up with that. Thank you so much for being on the show again. Uh, thank you, Rich. I really, really enjoyed it.